You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424 256 1729. And now, another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Falling Skies After Show. Hey, everybody, Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another Falling Skies. It's season two, episode nine, The Price of Greatness. I am Tamara Berg on allergy medication, and I am joined in <laughs> studio by. Hey, everybody, I'm Dario Kristen. And. I'm back, Steve Bottomley. Yay, we're glad to have you back, Steve. And I'm your, res- your resident resistance fighter, Sophia Stanley. And we have Marissa in the booth with us tonight. No, you don't. And we have Ben with us in the booth tonight. <laughs> Hello. You guys never tell me. I just saw Marissa set everything up. That's He's right. our engineer. On, again, Tammy is on medication. I am on allergy medication. Thank you very much. And this is going to be fun. I'll try yep. not to sniffle in the microphone, okay. I promise. Here we go. Okay. This is the penultimate episode of the season. We have some things to talk about. Let's get right into it. We start with the arrival in Charleston, and there is fresh produce. Mm-hmm. In, really? their, <laughs> in their, uh, their hypopotic? Hypo hydroponic, hydroponic, yeah, hydroponic garden. I, I'm on medication, too. No, you're not. You've just <laughs> been on vacation for two weeks. You have no excuse I'm except so that you've been relaxing too damn much. Um, yeah, and everyone, they, they uh, were greeted as heroes. They were. Yeah, it didn't really end that way, but they were greeted as heroes. Yeah. Um, you know what? It was it was kind of cool to see him greeted as heroes, and and um, yeah, you just kind of got that feeling of something's wrong. Well, there was definitely that undercurrent of, of course, it was suggested by the music, but we've all been incredibly skeptical of mm-hmm. Charleston and and where it was going to go and what it was going to be. What were your guys' thoughts initially? Um, well, I actually was extremely happy, and I think that um, that Tamara, you've mentioned it, and Steve has mentioned, it, and I think Daryl's mentioned it as well that certain things didn't make sense. However, given the fact that the smiting, it, the the writing is in fact so smart that things would then be revealed to us. So mm-hmm. the fact that it, Charleston was a city in construction, so when it was hit, everything above ground was demolished. However, they weren't able to get everything underground. That actually, in fact, made sense to me. I was happy to hear that because I kept thinking, this is just BS because it's actually not possible. So the mechanics of it, I like that. But at the same time, it really was all of the main characters, how they reacted. It was still so subdued mm-hmm. and held back, and that's because they knew. Your, your your reaction would have been different, but at the end of the day, they're soldiers and they rely on their instincts. And I think their instincts told them from the very, very beginning, something doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just a little bit too complacent. Everyone's a little bit too comfortable. Just the way in which they're dealing with things didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was a coincidence that it was in a mall. Right. The most artificial of 
environments. Environments, and I think that a mall now has become the quote unquote city center, right? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. now become, you know, when you had small towns and you had a soapbox, now it's the mall. So I think it was very symbolic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I and I have to agree with you, Sophia. I know that we last episode from last week we had that conversation about the strawberries being introduced. So tonight you know, I, I I really thought about how they introduced this in a way where they made everything seem like it was great and all these great Utopian, things were going to happen. Really, Utopia yeah. in this great place to be. But we shortly were going to see how things were going to quickly change. And we saw that in tonight's episode. So. And one of the first things that happens when we arrive in Charleston is we meet Arthur Manchester, old friend of Tom's, big surprise to Tom, mm-hmm. and is the essentially the president. What did he? What was his uh, thing he called himself? The... The leader of the majority. Leader of the majority. There you go. And so, you know, I thought President was really pretentious. He says, yes. so which was pretentious in itself. Exactly. Exactly. So Arthur Manchester has one of those, um, you know, very American names, mm-hmm. and is a history professor and right. a great friend of Tom. So there is right. a built-in trust between the two of them. However, right. Tom right. don't trust nobody anymore, I don't think. No, not after being out in the world and seeing, you know, everybody. Is, and, you know, he learned that you're going to come across people that are out for their own best interest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as writing-wise, that's how you want to introduce that guy. Old friend, you know, trust already there yes. because it just makes Tom's journey a little bit tougher mm-hmm. when he's starting to see what's happening. The faults in his friend yeah. and the and the ways Plus, that he might know, be leading things. Smart way to get a lot of expos in really quick. Right. I remember when you were, you know, exactly. sort of like, again, I, and I, w- I was not able to get um, last week's, but from based on the roundup on AfterBuzz, our awesome podcast. Yes, I could tell that they got really good at uh, covering Xbox. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, which is not did. easy to do. No, in case it's you're not. Wondering. It's not. What were you going to say, Sophia? Um, I was actually going to take it one step further. That Arthur isn't a friend. Arthur's his mentor. Right. Arthur is the person he looks up to regarding his being a history professor and how he maps out how he has set up his role in the second mass. So I think the fact that he potentially then could disagree with this man shows that Tom really is out for the better good. And I think it's no coincidence that, you know, at the um, at the meeting that they had, you know, pr- prior to the vote, I don't think it was a coincidence that he quoted his mentor mm-hmm. in asserting why it is that they need to keep fighting. Because I think it shows that sometimes people's words and the actual person need to be separated. And that's what he was doing in the same way that there are certain times you have to separate emotion from logic or sometimes you have to separate the rule of law from what you know to be right, which mm-hmm. is, I think, the the thread that was going through this episode. But you know what? When he was in the room and he was looking uh, at all the books and everything, I was really getting the feeling that he found them quaint and Tom, anti- do yeah. you mean? Okay. Yeah, he found them quaint and antiquated. Yes. Because he was like, oh, I remember this life. And then, and, and then what I found fascinating is later on, he did find something that still pertained to where they were now. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I didn't get the, I, I felt like he was more just, oh yeah, I knew you in another life. And I, the, the mentor thing didn't come across as strongly for me, more than just a, um, you're a guy I knew once. Yeah, I, well, 
similar to that. I think when Tom came in, it, it was something similar to that. It's, it, that was part of his former life. And I think that he, his experiences now have just kind of changed and altered his viewpoints of what he used to possibly think about before. And I think that when the introduction of Manchester's character is symbolic because it seemed to me as, as we watched the episode a little bit more that Manchester was okay with Tom's decisions as long as Tom was doing everything that he wanted him to sure. do. And we saw that once Tom started to go a different direction, it changed the entire game of of Manchester's viewpoint and, and started to make him feel like Tom was rebelling against him. Um, so I, I agree. It, it shows a former portion of his life, but I think Tom's experiences have now shaped the way he's He's starting to right leave. because he's he's bringing his history into that room exactly, and he's he's bringing everything that they struggled for in the second mass and all, everything that he went through, and then to see, you know, first of all, they're all living underground. Yeah, which if you've you know had to fight, you know, face to face, you're like you're living like moles. What the hell is this? Right. So that, that's gonna that's gotta hurt. Now, one of the things with the relationship between Tom and Manchester for me was, and maybe it just needed to be, uh, there needed to be two episodes for me to really get into that relationship, but I didn't get the sense from Tom that there was this, this great loyalty between the two of them. And I don't know if it was just because I haven't spent enough time with the two of them together, but I felt like Tom, you know, ha- sort of endowed upon... Uh, Manchester a certain amount of respect, mm-hmm. but wasn't necessarily right. just going to fall into lockstep behind what Manchester mm-hmm. wanted him to do. He was definitely his own man, and and there was yes, they had a history, but it wasn't going to terribly seriously affect what Tom's mission was. Really, I mean, he, he didn't seem to me to have a whole lot of c- sort of crisis of conscience, and that we need to fall into place with all these people, except for when the time came for the relinquishing of the guns. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was the first time where we saw the second mass comes in. We've been badass fighters for a year now with these terrible situations and terrible, terrible scenarios that have happened to us. And all of a sudden, these people want to take take away a part of our life that has been extremely critical to this point. So um, the you know, there's a little bit of conversation. And then basically Weaver and Tom both go, yes, or Weaver says, yes, that's how it should be. And Tom goes, yeah, yeah, reluctantly, I guess you're right. That was really the only time that I felt that Tom was kind of, you know, getting in line with this, but he was still absolutely coming from what he, like you were saying, Sophia, what he was think, thinks is the very best, most important thing mm-hmm. for, for the higher good. Yeah, when he had that beat, I was expecting to see more of it play through for the rest of the episode. And and it was kind of like a – because what they were doing is divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. You know, they were separating the second mass so that they could get their hand on it and make sure that they didn't, you know, rile everybody up Mm -hmm. to go fight. Right. And um, I really thought they were going to play that beat a little harder. Yeah. You know, where you saw kind of like where so-and-so over the way over the – you know Mm – and even after they took all the guns, they, the guns seemed to be pretty available. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't. So, you know, that whole thing. a couple of padlocks between it, us and our guns. And a couple of times they were right on the table. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of, um, again, a, a moment where the show being smart when it isn't or, or when it doesn't hit, you know, there's speaks of valley. The valleys kind of pop mm-hmm. a little bit more than they need to. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was a really, oh, there you go. I mean, you guys are military guys. What are they doing right now? And anyway, and see, I, I think I took it a sl- from a slightly different place, and I really thought about it in the same point that they're complacent. 
at the, the end of the, the Charleston, day, Charlestonites. Exactly. And mm-hmm. for the most part, they, other than the second mass, most people would rather literally go underground and hide out in a mall and not fight aliens. Yeah. So that's why the second mass, their reputation precedes them. Here's this small little band of misfits, for lack of a better word, you know what I mean, led by Weaver, who arguably is an aging military guy, and Tom Mason, who was a former Boston College professor, professor. and they have been able to do what no one else was able to do, and I think that's even why, you know, in the middle of the episode, when you had the situation with... um with Matt, where the kids didn't believe them. The kids were like, we don't believe that you fought aliens because they don't actually believe that's possible. So the second mass did what wasn't possible. And so I think that there wasn't, let's say, um, a stronger, you know, security presence in in the where the guns were being held because they didn't have to. If they told people what to do, the people are going to mm-hmm. do it, and they're ruling by fear. And at the end of the day, it's you know a half military state, half paradise. They didn't think, you know, and they didn't think they had to do anything. And given the history that that um, that Tom has with Arthur and then given the history that Weaver has with and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but the other resistance movement that came from Massachusetts. I can't remember. Is that Bressler? No, it's not Bressler. It's the other guy. Porter. Thank you. Porter. Porter. They thought, okay, we're good. When when they come, we're going to basically give them a, an amazing salute, which they did. They gave them an amazing meal, which was obviously a one-off. And then they said, okay, cool. Like, you guys are here. Like, woohoo. Okay, cool. Split up. Fall in line. And they and, thought that's what was going to happen. Back to normal life exactly. as we've known it. Yeah, because they, I think because they haven't actually had field experience, they don't know how, they don't know how strong this unit is. They right. really underestimated. They really thought they could get in. And again, Arthur thought that Tom was like him. He thought, oh, I'm just going to basically offer you the vice presidency. You're going to fall in line because that's what he wants. He wants to basically have a legacy in history, which is different than Tom wanting to save the world simply because he wants to save the world. But wait, I think the reason why they were divided and conquered was because he knew exactly how strong the second mass was i think when second mass walked in manchester's thinking i need these heroes on my side and i need to make sure they don't want to go fight because if they do i've got a general that's ready to pull the trigger so yeah they got the spread and they got the layout but that was like you know uh that was well it was the same thing you did with pope Mm-hmm. Later on, right. it was yeah. exactly the same thing. But I, yeah, no, I think Manchester knew who they were and what they've done, and I think it made them nervous. Well, and l- let's talk about this because Jeannie is in line day two after mm-hmm. Tom has made his position a little more clear with Manchester, and um, you know Tom and um, Anne come through the line for food. They find out that there are no Brussels sprouts, and Jeannie is giving them information that's like you know it's not all it's not like. what it looks like. like. Yep. So l- let's talk about that. What do you what do you think is going on there? What's you know what's what's that about? Well, I think with Jeannie, she's obviously been there a little bit longer. She's gotten a chance to kind of see how the land of the lay is. And I I think as they as they presented Charleston to be this safety, safe place, this, right. the greatest sanctuary. place on earth, sanctuary, mm-hmm. you know, as I think Jeannie was trying to let them know, listen, you know, I've been here for a little bit longer. Don't fall into this trap of just of falling into whatever they say. You know, you keep your eyes open. Stay aware of everything that's going on because all the cracks will start to reveal themselves. So I think in her messaging, she was just trying to give them a, 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 a heads up, obviously, right. on the cracks that were 
inevitably going to happen down the line. And she shows up later as being a critic right. of of Manchester in in the speech. But but it feels to me like there's something bigger going on there. Yeah, it was it was basically comfort equals selfishness. Once you have people fat and lazy, they're going to want to hold on to whatever makes them fat and lazy. And that's what you were seeing all the way down the line. You had the general that had his army that didn't want anybody to mess with his army. And he certainly saw Second Mass as a threat to that. You saw Manchester, who had his um, new world. And he doesn't want anybody to mess with that. Well, even, even the doctor. Even the doctor. It was the same sort of thing. You know, I, I got this thing and we're going to. But again, I, that to me, there was kind of like a, a moment where that was almost um, planned, where they, they're going to continually kind of knock down the egos of second mass so that they fall in line and not, you know, cause any sort of rebellion. What, what do you got? I actually, I actually agree for the most part, but ironically, with the doctor, I thought it was though it was a matter of complacency. The doctor acted exactly how we think doctors are going to act, mm-hmm. right? He in the normal world. in the normal world, mm-hmm. especially and so, a heart doctor. Ex- exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that 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 interchange was exactly that, and the way that Anne responded was how she should respond because they're they're in war. Mm-hmm. So basically, what she was saying is, I really don't care what school you went to, where you did your residen- residency, and what your specialty is. I'm a combat medic, and I've saved people in ways that you have no idea, so show me the respect that I'm due, because we're still in war. Mm-hmm. That's what she was doing. And so I think it showed that, again, the whole Charleston, because they're complacent and because they're fat and lazy, they're they're acting ironically too normal. However, I think that also with Weaver's daughter, I think she also gave them a clue or a tip, because she basically was saying, if you speak up... You might get punished. Right. You may get double duty, and which obviously it shows that she's obviously spoken out before. And yeah. that's and why there. she and she's been there. Yeah. And that's probably why she's working kitchen duty. Yeah. So I think she was telling them she was letting them know the rules, but also kind of saying, like, I know you're the second mass and I know my dad. So what's the plan? Mm-hmm. That was her subtle way of saying kind of like, we're, we're with you. Some of us are with you. Right. Well, it, I was, mean, it was a cool moment, but it was wrong because the daughter would have gone to dad. She wouldn't. Yeah, have, that's true. She wouldn't have told Tom and and um, I forget the Anne. Anne. I completely disagree. Yeah, I disagree. I think that she might have gone to Tom just because of the fact of, of of Tom's leadership and she trusts Tom. And I think that possibly with her relationship with her dad, it, it, he may not have been the right person to go to in that situation. I think in Tom's role right now, Tom was the smarter person for her to go to at, at, for this particular. Thing. You think I completely that, agree. You think that there was a thought that she, that her dad would bring that information or see her as a traitor? Yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, even in her, honestly, in her mind, in her or, mind, or possibly that she's putting her dad in a bad situation because she already feels bad that she made a choice to go with her boyfriend and and slightly regrets that decision and feels that she may have possibly she should have stayed with her dad. Number one, number two. Even when she mentions that her dad is still limping, she knows that her her dad got hurt for her. Right. There is still that that well, youthful energy, not- as especially as a daughter, that you're you're going to think twice because also Weaver is in a completely different position, literally and figuratively being the the political or the administrative as well as the military leader of the second mass. I think that Tom also, too, has a reputation that's starting to precede him that that's kind of that's kind of the guy you talk to in a weird mm-hmm. way, you know? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. I would agree with that. Yeah, the, and the thing is, is that I think yeah, I think all of this is, is good and important discussion, but for me, I think there's something more sinister going on within Charleston that we are not seeing yet. I don't think it's just about a power struggle coming from Manchester. I don't know what it is, but um, but I think there's something else going on there. And you know what actually scares me? I completely agree with you. Is 
if in fact it is purely not skitter related, that actually is is scarier than what I think I and possibly Steve had predicted. I mean, if it's if it's human, if it's human, if it's a human if, situation, if, exactly. If Charleston, in fact, was a skitter reservation, that actually scares me less. But if it's internally that we're consciously as Americans or as human beings, we're consciously making the decision to go underground and hide and really think that without fighting that they're just going to go away. That to me is worse psychologically. That's worse just practically for the sake of us ever winning than if in fact Charleston was a skitter reservation because the skitters to me are bad. We know that or the overlords are bad Mm -hmm. to think that. We're the ones possibly who could be worse than the overlords. That's scarier, and I, I feel like that's what's showing itself to be okay. possibly. Yeah. And I, I actually don't think that it possibly is skitter related, just because of the fact of the reaction from um, uh, the re- reaction from. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now of um, Manchester. Uh, his reaction when he found out that Tom and had still had had a son who I was agree. harnessed. You know, he he acted totally different and and was upset by not by Tom not letting him know that information. So I, I, I don't think it's necessarily skitter related, but I do agree that there is something else sinister that's brewing in in, mm-hmm. in Charleston. Mm-hmm. I think so. Speaking of <laughs> Charleston. Um, <laughs> speaking of Charleston, uh, before you do any shopping, say you would like to buy books on Charleston uh, or buy a Charleston T-shirt, you can go to Amazon.com. But you first must go to After Buzz TV, click on the Amazon banner, and it'll take you to um, the Amazon site where you can do all your shopping, all your purchases there. We don't get any money for it, um, but we do get a kickback to be able to produce these great shows for you each week. So just remember, before you do any shopping online, go to After Buzz TV first click on the amazon banner do your shopping there we really appreciate it because like i said we don't get any money for it but we do get a, a kickback in the sense of being able to produce these great shows and keep these wonderful lights on for you each week i do you, <laughs> you do what you, you get money yeah. oh wow you guys don't no oh i guess i don't either then no such a liar. Big time. You learned how to lie while you were on your vacation. I did. I went to okay, the let's club. let's talk about the politics of this whole thing. We've yeah. got there's there's a lot going on. We've got the first of all, I loved how it is a mall, right? It's it a mall, mall that we're yeah, in. It seems okay. to be. Uh, the American flags all right. around. Yep, you yep. know, the one that was in um, Manchester's office that looked like one of the Revolutionary War mm-hmm. flags with the tatters on the side and everything. And then when he was doing his political speech, you know, I, there was no sense of what that document was that was carved right, into the right, wall right. behind him. But there were the words like victory uh-huh. and you know that sort of thing in the back. So there was there was clearly a lot of art direction going on with conveying that that we've got a revolution happening. Mm-hmm. There are our political machinations going on behind the scenes, and so I really want to talk about that a little bit. Um, you had, a, you guys, that side of the table had a lot to say when we were <laughs> when we were coming in. So go. The great debate. No, <laughs> I, I thought it was fascinating the fine line between creating a democracy and becoming a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And I thought this show did a great job on showing how quickly that line is blurred. And I could see both sides of it. Here's a guy that's trying to create a democracy underground, and. He's he's got a template, which in a sense is is a deterrent to success because now he's trying to do the original founders created a beautiful painting and he's got to do it basically a paint by numbers and he doesn't quite have all the colors. 
And so instead of the colors, he's trying to just use his own will and his own mm-hmm. desire and his own push to get the people to say, okay, pretend there's a color there because that's all we have right now. And, well, they're not. So he's got to push a little harder. And in that pushing, he crosses a line. He does the wrong thing for the right reason, but it's still the wrong thing. So I thought it was pretty fascinating how they were able to show it starts here, but it quickly leads over here if you don't have the right controls. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny, too, because Manchester, obviously, like you're saying, is is painting this picture of following these lines but the second mass almost is starting to represent the rebellion you know i mean there and then comes picasso and then exactly <laughs> you know, so it is interesting so Sophia looked like you i actually have a qu- i actually have a question because i did not have tom mason for a uh, history professor um during the American Revolution, in terms of timing, oh, when jeez, no, but no. when, when okay. did I'm we just actually, scared because no, I'm pretty sure nobody's going to be able to answer the we, question. No, when did we anyway. sign? <laughs> what, when did we sign the Constitution? Like, what was the first official? Benjamin. Well, because and the reason that I ask is my memory, and I could completely be off, is that that happened when we won. Like, we started to actually form. I mean, there was there was the rebellious group, right? That's the first phase. So we obviously had rules of law there. But at the end of the day, the the framework for who we are as Americans really actually started once we gained our independence, right? Yeah. Well, I think yeah. the declaration was basically the first salvo, was it not? Where they said, well, hey, we're going to drop this document in England. And- the declaration pretty much, it was essentially the declaration of war against England. Mm-hmm. Right. And during that time, we were uh, under the Articles of Confederation, which was like the Mm. first uh, incarnation of the Constitution, which was then written after the war. Right. So when they were signing that document, they were basically saying, you know, we're this is pretty much a death warrant, but we're going to sign it anyway. Which document? Uh, The Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Okay. Ben, thank you very much. Thank you for being in school, Ben. That's exactly what I needed because. Again, we're still in the declaration phase. So Arthur's jumping steps. You can't start to make a constitution before you've actually won. And that's basically what Tom is telling him. Tom is like, wait, we're still in the fight. So at the end of the day, the war's not over. The British are still there. So you can't you can't make a country when you don't actually have ownership or actual authority. You guys can't even go above ground. But we kind of did. Yeah, that's what Ben's saying, is that is that we declared war. Well, again, as, but, but as, that's what we've already been doing. So that's a declaration, which is different than what Arthur's trying to do. Tom is declaring war. And basically, Tom and the Second Mass, to me, represent the actions of the Declaration of Independence. What Arthur is trying to do is Arthur is trying oh, to I now see. write the Constitution right. when he's jumping steps. We're still in the declaration, of the declaration stage where we're still fighting. We're still pushing them back. They win, we win, they win, we win. Right. Arthur is jumping steps and to me I think that intellectually he's right but emotionally he's not because he's doing it purely for his egomaniacal desire to want to basically be a George Washington or a Ben Franklin like he wants his name theoretically in the history books 20, 30 years from now which has nothing to do with the greater good of the country he's purely being a politician in the most negative Mm way Way, he's well. Yeah, he's, he's, out for he's, self. he's a little bit more Neville Chamberlain than he is George Washington. He's he's going the you know route of appeasement as opposed to getting in there and doing the right thing. So we now switch over to a different war. And don't forget, I've got seven more that I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
No, and again, I, it, it was it was kind of like the best and the worst of politics all in one episode where yeah. you originally see what he's doing. You go, yeah, there is a spirit and then quickly devolves to know every man for himself. And I got my little piece and I'm going to hold on to it, which is a really good reflection of stuff today. Um, and, you know, and a little bit of power go just takes over so so you guys all i I get i'm seeing a lot of nodding heads and so i'm hearing that you all think that uh, manchester is doing this just for his own appeasement and for his own power grab and really doesn't care about about the people he doesn't care about the based on based on the questions he was asking the rest of them like pope and stuff he was really once he realized um that second mass and tom mason was the leader he knew he had to you know, cut him off at the knees. Mm-hmm. And so when he started to get the information and just started to get reasons to do it, it kind of told me that if he had anything beyond that, he wouldn't concern himself that much unless there's a reason he knows or there's a deal he has where they cannot fight the skitters. Right. Well, exactly. that's that's sort of what I'm trying to get to is why, you know, he just wants to live the rest the next 20 years of his life underground and just be eating hydroponic peas and, and be happy. In I mean, a mall? It's, in a mall. <laughs> Steve, there's no cable. That's no, all right. And no internet. I have dish. I'm <laughs> But again, I think so because I think it's a matter of perception. And I think that, I, like, ironically – even though, like, all he was previously was an authored history professor. Right. None of us even knew who he was. That's why when he was there, um, Tom had to introduce him to Anne and basically also was like, this is the guy who wrote blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was his his introduction that, oh, in, in our world, he's important. In our world, meaning our little history yes. buff world. What Arthur wants is to be known and to be important and to mm-hmm. be famous throughout the entire world, or at for, least Amer- all six hundred people who are left. Exactly. <laughs> but also, too, though, he's hoping that in the same way that Tom's reputation has preceded him, that his reputation will precede him. Because yeah. even there was a moment that he was like, "We need guys like you," or "We need guys like you to Tom." You could detect that green. You mm-hmm. could t- detect that jealousy. Because at the end of the day, regardless of when the second mass walked in, regardless of whether or not they they made them clap or they clapped on their own that is euphoric that type of oh my god these people are amazing they are heroes and everyone loves a hero it's not a coincidence that you know for the last 16 days all we talk about is the olympics because we like heroes even if it's simply on an athletic field or a balance beam or so forth and so on it riles people up especially Mm -hmm. as americans yeah Yeah. and i agree i think that manchester probably does want to be the person who everyone loves but the difference between him and tom is that tom is out in the trenches tom is making it happen tom is out there fighting Manchester's not doing any of this stuff. He's writing exactly. books. He's doing, you know, he's staying. He's just trying to lead. He's almost like, you know, using everyone as his puppets. But Tom is out there in the trenches fighting a war. People respect what he has to say. And in, in the end, as we saw, it backfires on Manchester inevitably anyway. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think there's I think there's more to it than that. I think you're absolutely right that he is an egomaniac, an egomaniac. But I think there's something more to it because I, I just can't imagine that he is not smart enough to know that he can't sustain the life that he's got there right now. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe people, that's that undercurrent that that we don't really know. Maybe there is, like you were saying, there's another deal going on. There's something else happening. Or, out there. or his own ego is saying, "No, I think I can do this if you will just listen to me." And I'm sorry if you don't. I need to get you out of the way for the mm-hmm. greater good. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, all these heroes came in and they're not listening. Right. So, got to get these people out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's I. 
I think he's see, trying to see the greater good and seeing his vision, but um, his vision isn't going to work. And, you know, it's not going to do much for the show to <laughs> sit under a mall. No, it's not. I think they had that. It's not. Hey, you know what? What, Steve? Some people don't like our commercials. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> you know how I know that? Yeah, Because I do. they left messages on iTunes, and we read that stuff. Yes, we Now, here's, here's the good news. We will read what you write. The bad news is there's not a lot we can do about some of it. <laughs> so keep doing that. Keep uh, downloading. There's a new app that you can download, and it makes uh, getting podcasts and from, you know, After Buzz and others um not Very that, easy. Not that we care about others. No. Um, <laughs> and we read your comments. We love them. Most of them. No, we do. And uh, it, it does make a difference if there's hosts that you want us to get or if there's questions or whatever. Put it in there. We'll read it and we'll try to address it. Also, there's a chat room if you want to uh, join us there. But uh, So tell a friend. Let people know that we're out there. And um, and rate we, us. And rate well. us. Oh, that's the other thing. Make sure you put a five stars. Please. Four and a half. <laughs> can you, do, you can't do half stars, can you? Uh, I don't think I so. Don't think you okay, can. so five yeah. stars. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now we have a few other things that we want to cover that were just sort of potpourri in the episode. We have um, a deharnessed kid that shows up, mm-hmm. yeah. and that creates big problems. Of course, Tom thinks it's his son, Ben. Ben, ben. Yeah. Yeah. The kid comes in and says that he is a mish. Missionary, see, <laughs> messenger. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here for the Skitter Rebel, Rebel Red Eye, the Red Eye Skitter, and uh, he wants to meet. And Manchester thinks that's a bad idea. Manchester thinks it's a very bad idea mm-hmm. because uh, that could take power and attention and uh, effort, energy and all that stuff of his creation. Mm-hmm. Manchester's creation. Not yeah. only that, but it would also put the general a little bit more in charge. And that scares Manchester. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then yeah. he's a, also he had mentioned he was afraid that now the skitters would attack again their location. That again, the, the idea of the wrong thing for the right reason. Mm-hmm. He's trying to keep everybody underground while everybody you know beats each other up above ground. Tom knows there's a reason they're there, and they're not leaving until that reason's over. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I was glad to kind of hear is I was expecting, again, a conversation between Tom and uh, Manchester about, okay, right. here's what I know. You know, and I was like, okay, are we going to see this? Are, are we, we going fin- to Is he finally going to yeah, tell him? Is he finally going to tell him? And, uh, at, you know, at the uh, end, I'm glad he didn't. Because that would have been awkward. It would have been bad, yeah. But, um, no, I, I thought it was going to be Ben. I was kind of bummed it wasn't Ben. Yeah. I actually knew it wasn't going to be I never ben. thought it was Ben. I never thought it was going to be Ben mm-hmm. either. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because just the way it was set up, because Ben is ben is too ben is smart. So mm-hmm. he wouldn't have entered back in Charleston in that form. It would have been a completely different way. So I knew I, I never thought it was Ben entering it in that form. But it just, I don't know. That was just my opinion on it. I've been on vacation. <laughs> so, it's all right, Steve. I haven't even seen TV. Saw something about Jamaica at the Olympics. You know anything Woo-hoo! about it? Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'll talk for like the next ten minutes. No, Jamaica's no, no, awesome. No, no, no. Sprinters are amazing. No, no, okay, I'm sorry. But USA, Alison Felix, sorry. great job. Sorry, Women's I'm sorry. Four by one hundred, USA, awesome job. <laughs> Track and field, amazing. Sorry. See what you did, Steve. Go team. <laughs> um, well, you know, also how. Hal, uh, he's he's. I like the uh, beat where um, Weaver tells him, "Look, you can't pop off here, right. because you know these guys haven't seen battle, and you may be leading them. You have to start being a leader now." And they're starting to show the difference between the outside world 
and you know the inside now you're part of a community how do you behave yeah because it is a very different place here people don't walk around with guns all the time right. and there, there apparently is some fashion of running water which makes people civilized <laughs> Ve- veggies sure. and hot water yeah and a lot of clean shaven faces on the men yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. hey mm-hmm. by the way nice digs they got I know. I was like looking at it going, hey, I guess they're in the furniture store of the mall. Hey, but <laughs> again, but only, but only Tom and yeah, Anne. Right. Because right. again, and her name is Jeannie, right? Jean. 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 Yeah. Jean. Jean. So Jean, again, was like, we're not. And, and that was, that was a, a you know, she was a little bit pissed. She was a little bitter. She was like, we don't all have quarters like that. And most of us are tend to a cubicle. She didn't say tend to an office. She or said a room. To, yeah. Right. She said tend to a cubicle. So again, it's that whole concept that because now life is normal, there's hierarchy and that you know Tom Mesiv the you know the famous infamous whatever you want to say has a special hierarchy and that can be good or bad depending upon how he decides to take his leadership and i think that Tom is such an appropriate leader for the reasons that he knows how to take orders, i.e. when his leader, Weaver, tells them to give up their guns, he does so. But at the same time, when he knows for the better good, he needs to say Gene Weaver is is correct and he needs to stand up there and potentially put his life in jeopardy and, and therefore the second mass in jeopardy. He recognizes that that's their only choice, either to live and f- to fight as free people or to die. Those are the only two options, even if it means his children will die as well. Yeah. Um, yes. Let's talk about Pope as well. Because so Pope comes in. He's he's one of our hero characters. We love him and sometimes love to hate him. Love and hate. <laughs> um, so Pope gets called in by Manchester for a delicious meal mm-hmm. with wine and steak, it looked like. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to offer him a job as like head cook. I. You would think yeah. of all people, I mean, but he's maybe a little too talented in certain other areas. So he wants Pope to give up Tom. Right. And he says no because he wants to dethrone Tom. Exactly. I mean, like, so typical of Pope, right? Right. Uh, that was actually one of my favorite scenes in yeah. the show, uh, just because of the fact that, I, once again, I had a feeling that Pope was not going to give in to Manchester's yeah. needs because. Obviously, he's no sissy. He's no sissy. He's been around the block. And uh, I love the part where he was, you know, eating his steak and he's swirling his wine, wine around and he still doesn't give in to the information that yeah. Manchester wants. And, uh, you know, he, he Pope is the ultimate rebellious person. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he he is he's smart. He knows that he needs to keep his group and his information to himself. He's not going to give a lot of information to those leaders as it is because so true. of the fact that he wants to go off on his own regardless. So right. I love that. I love that scene. I love how he plays it. I yeah. Oh, Who's I know. Colin Cunningham. Colin Cunningham. Yeah. He, the, the uh, opportunity to overplay this character is mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. And the, the way that he just pulls it back and keeps it in that one layer of this is my crazy and I'm really comfortable in my crazy is great, you know, because that's what makes him so much fun. Whenever he's on the scene, he's like going, okay, just where are you going to go with this? And like the same sort of thing. You go, this isn't going to end well for Manchester, (laughs) but, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah. And again, stays right with Pope of like, no, I'm not going to help you because 
I want to. I want to do it. I want to do it myself. Yeah. So uh, he's just fun to watch. And, yeah, he's you know, one of those great characters. That's a yeah. really lucky hit to get that character. Yeah, no kidding. And he plays it so he well, which is why it. we hate and love him at the yeah. same time. And that's the other thing I really like is you. You really come on, just do the right thing. And when he does, it's for the again because he's, he's such self-serving. A but exactly. also, too, I'm gonna I'm gonna be Team Pope for a split second. I also think it's because the second mass is his family, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, they're in the middle of a war, and it's kind of in the same way. Like you know, you can you can. Talk bad about your sibling or or so forth and so on, but if someone else does it, you will literally fight to the death. And so they're a familial unit. So if anyone outside wants to kind of break that apart, no. In the same way that the only person who could kick a sibling's ass is that sibling. So I think that's really what he's saying. He's saying that no, like who the heck are you? And also too, Arthur is literally a worse version of Tom. So he's looking around in this in this room, just like you said. That's an, yeah, yeah, that's antiquated with all these books and his huge desk and his and his and his symbolic American Revolution painting behind him. He's like, like, go. You can fill in the blank. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's kind of like, oh, dude, of all people, you think I'm going to sell out my family for you? Right? Mm-hmm. Please. Even I think the scene would have been different. Different if it was a wrestler. If it was the military guy. Even though Pope doesn't like military authority either, right. he definitely doesn't like some pompous, overeducated author trying to tell him to sell out Tom. So I think there's another layer to it as well. Two bit sure. tin pot dictator. Yes, yeah. that's right. Spot exactly. something like that. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. we saw the berserkers play a, a bigger role in tonight's episode as well. Um, even to the fact of when when they didn't give his name, but the one who got shot. By Oh, they did. That scene, I mean, that was intense. I couldn't believe Tech shot him. Tector shot him. It, Tech did a 360 on us. I mean, we we saw last episode where he, you know, revealed who he really was and mm-hmm. all of his uh, history Gunnery with Gunnery Sergeant. And then we see this time, you know, how he's developed into full-fledged, you know, Sergeant Because leader. he was given the opportunity to taste his previous life, if just yeah. for a second. It, he knew military. That in military guys, it's kind of like prison. Once you knew it, once you know it, it, you're okay to go There's back to it. There's a certain comfort. Yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. And and when that was presented to him, absolutely, he jumped on it, and he was going to hold on to it until that moment where he went, "Wait a minute, this really is a fantasy because my family is trying to go out there and do the right thing, and, and I'm I'm playing soldier." Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it didn't take. What's interesting is it didn't take shooting Lyle for him to see that. It took. The second mass standing up to sure. say, we're going to go out, we're going to get back into the battle for him to say, oh, you guys are right. Right. So that's where the the episode ends up with, um, you know, the second mass is deciding we're, you know, we're going to rise up. And ultimately, Manchester gets locked up um, and Yay. martial law is declared. So, phew, we're yeah. all kind of, we feel like we're... And we're, I don't know if martial law is any better than democracy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. like one step sideways. But they are given the, um, you know, pass to say, get your stuff and get out of here if you're going to go meet this guy. Yeah. Right, right. So, there you go. Um, I think we need to go now to uh, a little bit of news and gossip, yeah? Oh, cool. Yeah. After Buzz TV News. Showrunner Emmy 
Abu Shan, who is now the executive producer, revealed that the second mass will soon, soon start finding ways to use alien technology for their own purposes. Mm. However, he says, and I quote, but it's much more complicated than that. And I think you'll see there are some really interesting ways that works. The aliens don't have the greatest tech either or else we wouldn't have a cast. Exactly. <laughs> Which is, we've been yeah. talking about that all season, that, right. you know, the technology, you, I think you were making some really great points several weeks ago when, when um, you know, Ben was communicating with mm-hmm. the uh, that that side pod and, you know, why are they not coming back and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so we're going to find some interesting stuff with the technology. And, well, it's also interesting weapons. in the uh, preview of this show, they were kind of, uh, they brought back the scene of either Tom or Weaver looking at the damage that the mechs were doing and kind of keeping that storyline alive mm. about, you know, that what they can do and can't do with what, it. And they can't do, right, right. exactly. So that's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Um, I also found a quote from the blogs um, from... Uh, someone from TNT. He says, a fairly major character death is going to happen this season. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we already seen that? <laughs> Who's the exact producer on that? Yes, that's right. Vince Gilligan loves yeah. to kill major characters, and yeah. we know that. Not, so, and, not I mean, Vince I'll Gilligan. Save it, I'll save it for predictions. Yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, do. Yeah, um, Who's the we producer? Got, we got a correction. It's not Vince Gilligan. It's, no, um, Vince Gilligan's Breaking Bad. Oh, excuse no, me. It's um, from, uh, oh, God. Justified. Justified, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been thinking about Breaking Bad all day. Uh, Greg, crap, it'll come to me in a second. Whatever. That guy. Yeah. That guy. You know that guy. Just not Vince Gilligan. Yeah, it's not the, the guy who produces Justified as well. I'm sorry. It's called medication. You should be. Okay. Connor Jessup, who plays Ben, and Drew Roy, who plays Hal, were talking about the harnesses. And um, Jessup was saying, who plays Ben, was saying, thankfully, I didn't have to wear the harness this year, but I did get the spikes. Because apparently, the harnesses are very uncomfortable to wear. And mm. Drew Roy had to wear one for one episode and was complaining about it. Um, and he says, well, but they didn't put it on me right. Something was wrong. He didn't say it in that quite of a girly voice. But, um, um, anyway, uh, Con- uh, Connor Jessup was actually bleeding at some point because of wearing the harness and did not complain about it. So he is a true and real badass as far as that goes. Wow. I like to be harnessed. I think it'd be cool. And it would be a really cool Halloween costume. Would. Could, would. Wouldn't I you love to be able to go were... through props and some of these shows and just show up? At... Completely. No, I was I was like tweeting some of the people uh, when uh, a lot of the the Resistance fighters were at Comic Con and people were they, they were, were harnessing people. Oh, and sure, people were taking pictures. Yeah. It was awesome. And TNT sells this great uh, T-shirt that has I, exactly a, has and a sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's very cool looking. I have yeah, a it's T-shirt just that has a tux on it. Do you? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, you have some ratings news. <laughs> I do. Um, TV by Numbers, uh, our source here, reported that Falling Skies has ranked number one again for TNT's scripted program among 18 to 49-year-olds and 25 to 49. Uh, last week's episode drew in 3.3 million viewers and Excellent. scored a growth from the episode before that. It um, was up 10% um, to 1.7 million in the 18 to 49-year-old category and up 2% in the 25 to 54 category and the 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 2% was 1.9 million. So it's the show is doing great. Doing gangbusters. Yeah. I, I did I read this right that it's it's broadcast in 74 different countries 74 around different the world. Countries. So yeah. it's a big big show and more of them should be watching our podcast that's, that's all right. I'm saying. Uh, that is I believe all we have if you for stay news off and the drugs, gossip. Maybe they would. <laughs> Don't okay. do drugs. Uh, let's uh, go on to predictions people. And now you're after buzz. 
Graham Yost. Graham Yost. That's who it is. Graham Yost. <laughs> that's my prediction. Graham Yost is the one you know who likes to kill up. Justified. Justified. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Predictions, people. Bring it. Come on, Steve. Uh, well, you haven't been you know, here for a while. I know. We're going to put you uh, up first. There's something dropping from the sky. I know oh, that. Okay. That's my prediction. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, they got season three. So at this point, I think we just predict who dies in this uh, finale. Because, Who's this major character? Yeah. And, and you know what the setup is. The major character, I'm trying to think of who they position. It's not going to be Pope. Oh, I'd be really uh, sad if it was Pope. Major, major. I don't know. Maybe. You know who it might be is uh, Lourdes. Lourdes? Oh. Lourdes. Because, you know, they just did a beat about her saying, I'm on the surgery team and like, things are looking up. And she seemed, you know, cool. And, and Gramios loves to have that moment. And then take it away. And then take it away. So I'm saying if someone's going to die in the finale, uh, it may be Lord is. Um, that's because I've been on vacation. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's funny. I actually wanted to disagree with Steve, but Steve's explanation of why it is Lordis is actually so spot on that I want to piggyback on what he's saying because just my prediction is that Steve is right. Um, <laughs> but I actually predict something a little bit more sinister. I actually think um, that it has to be one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the how I think it has to be one of the Matt. boys. I think that the way the way that we've gone from season one to season two, mm. again, everything that Tom does is for his family. Mm. And especially as you can see in this episode, the second mass has definitely also become Tom's family. Mm-hmm. And he is just as emotionally attached and as responsible for them as he is his own kids. But at the same time, for this next wave in season three, it has to also be the world like mm-hmm. that has to be his family and i think he needs to be tested and i think what's so he's gonna lose it. a kid mm-hmm. oh my god make, make the uh, war person. that would be hardcore you i kind of have two quickly. parts quickly um i think manchester is gonna die i think he's the person who's gonna be killed um somehow i think before. that's a great one and i think I that, that maggie's child is gonna appear in an episode in the future soon oh right because we heard about it again, again. this episode that's the second time we've heard um about it. i did a little creeping around on the internet and uh i think Anne's. Some family member of Anne is going to come back, possibly her husband. Because there's going to be a major a thing one. happening for Anne. I think one. that's what I read. So I think Anne, someone from Anne's family is going to come back. That's that's my prediction. So it's that's and it's got to be a husband, of, I would think. That's the result of, what's the word? Oh, research. Yes, indeed. That's exactly what stay it is. Stay in school, Steve. kids. Yeah, stay in school. <laughs> and don't do no, drugs. No, the don't blogs do drugs. on this show are great. And I you can be smart like Benjamin really and great. school yes. us on American history. Okay, so next weekend, our next Sunday is the finale. We're very excited that we're going to be there. And we may have special guests next week on our podcast. Fingers are crossed. We're looking forward to that so tune in the minute in. we know we'll let you know on Twitter indeed exactly. we, will. we will and how will we? How will people find you on Twitter uh, you can find me under my name Dario Kristen under Twitter or Facebook Miss Sophia you can find me on Twitter Sophia Stanley Steve uh, bottom line Steve N I think so that's yeah. correct <laughs> I am at Tamara Berg on Twitter also my website is TamaraCentral.com we will see you all next week for the finale of Falling Skies see you then from Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> 